The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Good morning. Uh, so today's scripture is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Um, it's on page 1014 in the Bibles under your chairs and also on the screen. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This has been the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Well, this morning... We're going to be talking about hope, and uh, uh, I thought about not sharing this this morning because it kind of puts me in a position of accountability. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to do it anyway. So at the beginning of the of the new year, I changed my diet or my eating habits, shall we say? I've been pretty good except for one meal with Dale and Justin this past weekend. Uh, Charlotte, where I had a burger that you would just dream about. But uh, outside of that, I've been been very good this morning, and, I'm, and I've and I've ch- been this this month, and I've done so. I can say all year, right? Uh, I, I've been I've been good so far this year, and with the hope that I'm going to be healthier at the end of this deal, right? Uh, I'm also like a week from today, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, Torrance, and I'm going to be doing so, pulling, hoping that the New England Patriots are going to lose. So there's two things I'm hoping there. Uh, those aren't on equal founding, are there? Like if, if I eat healthier and better, I will actually be healthier. But no matter how much I hope the Patriots are going to be terrible, they're still going to just break our hearts, those of us who are pulling against them, and they're going to always pull it out and, and hurt us at the ends. And that just made me think about, as I was thinking about those two kind of hopes, I was thinking about how not all hopes are created equal, are they? Like, like there's one thing, like I can invest some money in the start market uh, in the hopes that I'm going to make more money at the end of it, right? Or I can hope that I have a rich relative somewhere who is going to die and leave me a vast fortune, now, both of those hopes have the same goal at the end, right? Financial stability. But not those hopes aren't exactly created equal. Like, there's one that may possibly pan out. The other one, if you know my family, that's not going to pan out. There's, there's no rich relative anywhere that's going to die and leave me a fortune. We all have hopes, but not all hopes are created equal. One is a much stronger hope than the other one. And, and what's interesting about hope is that humans have a unique ability to hope. It's one of the things that sets us apart in creation, that, that, Christ, that, uh, that sorry, Christians, uh, people, humans, have the ability to hope, and that's one of the things that sets us apart. It's actually at the core of who we are as humanity. We, we have to hope. 
It's just built into our DNA. It's built into who we are. We have to hope. And you know why we have to hope? Because life is hard, isn't it? Like, no matter how you may be set up in life, no matter how, like, what kind of advantage that you have, no matter how smart you are, no matter what kind of family you're born into, like, nobody has a smooth road. Some, some roads might be smoother than others, but nobody has a smooth road. It never works out exactly like we planned. It never works out exactly like we determined. There's always some sort of bad news that comes around the corner, isn't there? A phone call from a doctor a situation with a spouse or a kid, uh, something that changes their plans and the way that you thought things were going to go, and it doesn't go quite the way you expected. I was talking to a friend of mine in Minnesota on Friday, and he was telling me about how his mother-in-law, she's in her 70s, is in the middle, right now in the very middle of a, a whole year-long gamut of uh, radiation and chemo and surgery and then chemo again because she has pancreatic cancer. And I was thinking, like, at one thought I thought, man, that's, that's really terrible for her. And then I thought, man, I'm, I'll be honest, I thought, man, I'm glad that's not me. And then I thought, you know what, I've got 30, 40 or more years left in this life. That could be me one day. Like, no matter how we think things are going to go or hope that they're going to go, like, they don't always go that way. And so hope is embedded into the human DNA so that we can, we can, it gives us a way of enduring the pain. It gives us a way of pushing through the hard times. It gives us a, a reason to wake up in the morning because we hope things are going to be better. Now, now this morning, uh, what I'm going to talk about is what Peter is talking about in this passage. And what he's saying is that what sets Christianity apart in the world is the source of its hope and the strength of its hope. We all have hope. Your hope might be that I won't speak for very long this morning, or your hope might be that you're going to actually go where you want to eat lunch today instead of where your spouse wants to eat today, or uh, maybe your hope is that whatever the case would be, whatever it is that you and I are hoping for, uh, the point that Peter is saying is that Christianity is set apart because it has its source and the strength of its hope is stronger and deeper than any other strength of hope. Christian hope is utterly and absolutely unique. It, it changes the way that we live life. It changes the way that we approach challenges and setbacks and disappointments and difficulties. And this morning as I talk about Christian hope from 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, I'm, I'm conscious that I'm speaking to two different groups of people here, right? All right, so, so one group of people that I'm speaking to is, uh, is those who, are, who you profess faith in Jesus Christ and you have a reason for Christian hope. And if you're, if you're in that group this morning, which probably, hopefully, most of you are, then I want you to listen very carefully because this is personal for you and it is full of the power that you need in order to endure difficulty, it's the power that you indeed to, that you need in order to endure those difficult phone calls and when things don't go according to plan, which is going to happen in all of our lives. But then there's a second group of people I'm talking to this morning is those people who hope in just in any number of things, anything other than a Christian hope. And, and here's the thing I want, to, I want to ask you to do this morning. I want to ask you, would you listen carefully this morning? And as I talk, I want you to, to think about two questions, if you would. Uh, question number one is, 
what am I hoping in? In fact, that might be something that all of us can ask about this morning. Even if you profess faith in Christ this morning, ask, this mor- ask yourself this morning this question, what am I actually hoping in? What am I hoping in? And then the second question is, uh, is that a strong enough hope? What am I hoping in? And is that a strong enough hope? We're going to look at three elements of Christian hope and how they affect our lives this morning. We're going to look at, first of all, the nature of Christian hope. We're going to look at the source of Christian hope. And then we're going to look at the assurance of Christian hope. What is the nature of Christian hope? What is the source of Christian hope? And what is the assurance of Christian hope? First up, what's the nature of Christian hope? You guys sticking with me this morning? I know it's cold and it's dark outside. Stick with me. It's going to be good. Uh, First of all, we start off in Peter 1, 1, 3 through 5. And let's read that together again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, as we mentioned last week, Peter is writing this letter uh, to a people who are very troubled. Uh, in, in the next verse, actually, just after we just read in verse 6, he's, he says that in, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. He's talking to people who have been grieved because life has been hard. Uh, we don't know exactly what that means, but we know that it means that many of them were under persecution because of their faith. Simply because they were Christians, they were being persecuted. That means there are people who may have been losing their their jobs, their uh, businesses, uh, they might have been losing their house or property, they might have been losing even family members who might have been imprisoned or even uh, put to death or uh, threatened to be put to death. And he says that you've been grieved. And the verse is so serious that we see in verse 7, he says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. He says, he says you guys are grieved, and he says that you guys are in the midst of fire, or the picture there is that you're in the midst of a furnace. You guys ever felt like that? Like, maybe like something bad happens in your life, and then it's like something else bad happens, and then something bad, and it's like sort of like a domino effect, and you're just like, man, this is, this, this is really bad, and you've ever felt like you're in the furnace, like the, there's fire, you're feeling the fire all around you. You're grieved, and you're in the midst of a fiery time in your life, and to this, Peter doesn't just offer platitudes. He doesn't just say, like we said last week, hey, every cloud has a silver lining, or it's going to get better in the morning, but what he does do is he talks about hope. He says, it is tough. You are grieved. It's fiery around you. But here's the great thing that sets you apart as a Christian. You have a hope that surpasses all other hopes. And I promise you, he says, that hope is powerful enough to take you through the difficult situation that you're in and get you to the other side. 
And in fact, not only is it powerful enough and strong enough to get you through the difficult time, but it's powerful enough and strong enough to promise you that there is a other side for it, that there is something better at the end. That's something powerful that changes life. It's not just saying, hey, there's a, silver, there's a silver lining to this cloud. It's saying, you, if you are a believer, you have a hope that is strong and is powerful, and it is powerful enough to push you through and carry you through the hard time and to promise you that on the other side of the hard time, there's something great that's worth waiting for. Now, we all have some source of hope when we go through hard times. It's what sustains us as people. When you're sick, like you have some sort of hope that you're going to get better or uh, you have some sort of hope when you're going through a difficult time that, that something is, is going to ease up. Uh, prisoners of war, they, they talk about the power of hope that sustained them when day in and day out and year in and year out they're trapped and they're deprived. They have this hope that one day we're going to be released. We're going to find freedom again. That hope is powerful, but most of us live with some sort of vague sense of hope, don't we? Like, what is it that you are actually hoping in? Think about it. When you wake up in the morning and, man, it's Monday, and you're like, man, it is cold, and it's Monday, and I don't want to get up this early, and I don't want to go to this job, and I don't want to deal with my spouse, and I don't want to deal with my kids, what is it that's, that's hopeful that pushes you through and carries you through? For some of us, it's some vague hope that one day, if I work hard, I'm going to get like a financial reward. Like maybe that uncle will die, or maybe some of these investments will pan out, or maybe this business will come through, or maybe I'll you know, be crazily promoted and like things will get better on the other side. But we don't really, even if we, we may have a plan, but even then, it's sort of, sort of a vague hope, like when things get better financially, then I'll be set. Uh, some of us have a hope like, man, when I get married... Now, that's when things will get better. Uh, you have this hope, like maybe, maybe today will be the day that I meet that man and he just sweeps me off my feet. Or maybe this day will be the woman and, and I'll just hear like, I'll hear music in my, in my ears and she'll look at me and man, we'll get married and man, then hope. Man, it's going to be so much better on the other side. And some of us, like, ever been like really sick in the middle of the night? And it's just like all your hope is is that the sun was going to come up in the morning. And like just some vague sense that, man, when the sun comes up, it's just got to get better. We all have some sense of hope. But the question is, what happens when those hopes don't pan out the way that we had hoped? What happens when those hopes don't pan out? Or what's even worse is what happens when that you achieve or you get what it is that you've been hoping for and it doesn't do everything that you thought that it would. One day your business reaches that level or your bank account reaches that level or you put that ring on your finger or you have that kid or you move into that house or you do whatever it is that you're hoping for that you think that like, tomorrow will be better and it doesn't it doesn't answer all those desires and dreams that you had kind of hung on that hope. What Peter is saying here is that Christians have a living hope. Why is that, why is that different? Why is that powerful? You know why? Because every single one of those hopes that I just described has an expiration date to it. 
if you achieve everything that you wanted to achieve in marriage or finances or business or career or education or romance or your body or your strength or your good looks or your car or whatever it is that we sort of hope on, every single one of those has an expiration date. Because you know what? Every single one of the good news for us over this morning, every single one of us die. And when we die, those things expire. There are temporary things to hope in. But Peter says that Christian hope is stronger and more powerful and it's strong enough to carry you through whatever you go through and promise that something is better because it sa- he says our hope is a living hope as opposed to it being a dead hope or a, or a hope that has an expiration date to it. If you are a believer in Christ this morning, though where you are placing your hope, or rather who you're placing your hope on, it gives you a hope that is living that will never expire, it never dies, it never gives up, it is everlasting, it is an everlasting hope. It is a hope that is contrasted with a dead hope. Now, how is it a living hope? Look at this, he says, according to his great mercy, He, that's God the Father, has caused us, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. First of all, how is it a living hope? He says it's a living hope. Notice that wording there. He has caused us. It's a living hope because it's God's work. If you are a Christian, your hope is not based upon your intelligence or your smartness. It's not based upon your goodness. It's not based upon your righteousness. It's not based upon your ability to do your quiet time every single day or to uh, be nice to your spouse all the time or to be a perfect parent or a perfect neighbor or a perfect employee or employer. Your hope is based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Half, and then the fact that the way that you became a believer is he has caused you to be born again. The wording there is a picture of, a, of the role that a father plays in begetting a child. It's the infusion of life where there once was no life. If you are a Christian, you have been begetted or you have had new life breathed or exploded into your soul where there once was deadness by God himself. It's Jesus Christ who came whenever you didn't make him come. It's Jesus Christ who died a perf- who lived a perfect life when you could not live it. It's Jesus Christ who died a death paying for your sin penalty when you couldn't pay for it. It's Jesus Christ who rose again when you had no power to break the power of death. All that happened by Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ, through him alone, he has caused you to be born again to a living hope. And then, not only then, is when you and I were floating through life, and maybe you were young, I was three, four-ish years old, maybe you were a teenager, maybe you're in your 20s, maybe you're in your 60s, 80s, but one day you were doing your own thing. You, maybe you had heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus many times before. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you had knew the whole deal, but all of a sudden, one day, it snapped in your soul, and you saw 
Yes, that's it. He is God and I am not. I am sinful. I need him to die for me. He did that. Praise God. You are my Lord and Savior. All of a sudden, where there once was no life, there was life. He caused you to be born again into a living hope. It is a living hope because, first of all, you didn't do it. He did it. Your hope is not based upon something you did before, you are doing now, or you will do one day. Your hope is based upon what Jesus Christ did for you before, he is doing for you now, and one day he will complete. If you guys were a more active church, you'd be like amening and jumping up and down, and Dale might be swinging from one of those rafters up there. Like, you have been born again to a living hope that's not based upon your work or your power. It's based upon his work and his power. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know what that means? It means that God himself is your hope. How is it a living hope? It's a living hope because Jesus Christ, the one who did all those things and is doing all those things for us as believers, is alive right now. His body died as a human being on earth, but it resurrected and he is at present at the right hand of the Father. the, The scripture says making intercession or standing in the gap for you and for me. And he has never died and he will never die again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the fact that he is unkillable by death, that he is alive at the right hand of the Father, holding all power in heaven and earth, in all of creation, under creation, beyond creation, that that's a thing throughout all of eternity, that is Jesus Christ, and he is alive, and that he is the source of your hope if you are a believer. It is a living hope because it can never die because he can never die, and therefore it is living forever. Your hope is bedrock and solid. He never dies, so our hope never does. How does that change life? Well, just think about it. If you really believe that that is your hope, that that is your past, that is your present, and that is the future, how would that change the way that we approach when difficult things happen in life? Yes, they are difficult. Yes, there is pain. Yes, there are tears. Yes, we cry, but we do not cry. We do not mourn as those who have no hope. We mourn as those who have hope deep within our souls. We cry in the midst of hope. We mourn in the midst of joy and hope mingled in our souls because we know our, pre- our past and our present and our future is secure and living with the God who is always living. Christian hope is, is living and Christian hope is in the hope of an inheritance. Look at what he says. You are, he has caused us to be born again through the erection of Jesus Christ from the dead too. So not only have a living hope, but to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. What's that mean? It means that you are, if you are a believer this morning, you are an heir of a great fortune, and that fortune is everlasting life united with the creator of heaven and earth. What is it? It's a life, it's an everlasting life that will be coming that is, has no sin, has no death, has no disease. But not only that, but we are present with the God who created us for all eternity. 
Psalm 16, 5 describes the Lord as the inheritance of his people. He's your inheritance. Not things, but him. If you're a Christian, you get union with the one who your soul has actually been longing for your entire life. Deuteronomy 32, 9, this blows my mind. It says that the Lord's, the Lord's portion is his people, that they are his allotted inheritance. You know what that means? It means that God is our inheritance, and it also means we are God's inheritance. Does that blow your mind? God loves you enough, if you're a believer, that he secured you by all that work that we've been talking about, and he says, they are my inheritance. They are the ones that I want. And we get him. Isn't that beautiful? We don't have it fully yet, but it belongs to us as Christians. That's the nature of Christian hope. Isn't that amazing? But look at the source. Not is that the nature of Christian hope, but look at the source of Christian hope. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So the Christian's hope is living, and the Christian's hope is an inheritance, but that's not all that makes it great. What makes it great is the source of our hope that is far superior to any other source that makes it not only great, but makes it unimaginably great. He says that Christians, he has caused us to be born again. Listen to that. He has caused us to be born again. Can you imagine the joy of being born again? Like, like, can you imagine all the mistakes that you have made, that I have made, ways that I have am continually bungling up my life, bungling up my relationship with my wife and my kids and my friends, bungling up the way I handle my time and energy, bungling up the way that the things I put my time and attention to instead of what is really lasting. Like, can you imagine the joy of being able to get a fresh start, a fresh life? That's what the Christian life is, but it's not just the new birth, being born again, isn't just a fresh start or a do-over, it's a continual outpouring of freshness. It's a continual outpouring of mercy and grace to us. Even at the moment that you sin, if you are a believer in Christ, even at the moment that you sin, as you are deciding, I'm going to do this, and you are acting out that sin, if you are a believer, God is pouring out fresh, new mercy and grace and life to you at that very moment. There's no sin that you have thought of or conceived of that he hasn't already provided the grace to carry you through on the other side, to the grace and mercy to forgive you and wipe it clean as you are sinning. He is wiping it clean. He's wiped it clean in the past and the present, and it's secure, clean, and pure in the future. Can you imagine that? A continual fresh start, a continual source of life and mercy to you. You don't have to do anything because he did it for you, we simply live out of that hope and out of that grace and out of that mercy. There is constant and complete forgiveness 
even as we sin as believers. That doesn't negate the sin. It doesn't make it, it doesn't minimize it. But it, in fact, it, it heightens it. That even as I'm making these decisions, he is pouring out his grace and forgiveness to me. Man, that's the thing that will cause us to repent and change and turn. Not just because I did something wrong, but how can I sin in the light of that incredible outpouring of mercy and grace and freshness and life to me? Your hope comes from being, the source of your hope is that you have been born again, and the source of your hope comes from that resurrection of Jesus that we were talking about. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest expression of power that the world has ever seen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest expression of power that the world has ever seen. There is nothing like it. No religion claims anything like it. No nation, no power, no economy claims anything akin to it. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the power that dwells in you and me as believers the greatest power the world has ever seen is the source of your hope as a believer. You hear that? There is nothing that you can do. There's nothing that Satan can do. There's nothing that anyone can do to you, no matter how evil or terrible that it has been. No matter how marred you might feel from your own decisions, no matter how destroyed you might feel because of decisions that others have made to you, things that have been done to you, said to you, that should break our hearts, there is none of those things that is more powerful than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is your source of hope. It can carry you through from your past. It can carry you through in your present and it's the assurance that it will carry us through to the end. That's the assurance of Christian hope. Listen to this. You've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I keep repeating these verses to you because I want you guys to hear this. I don't want you to hear what Randy's saying. I want you to hear what the word is saying about your hope. To a born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You have an assurance of hope as a believer because you have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Can you imagine a safer place to keep something than something that's guarded by God himself? If you're a, a believer this morning, this is saying that your hope is living and it's powerful. It's for an inheritance that is, that is coming. And it says that inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That means that your inheritance is guarded in heaven by God himself. 
and hear the description that he makes of your inheritance. It is imperishable. That means it is permanent. There is nothing in this life that is permanent. But your inheritance as a believer is. It is imperishable. It is permanent. You know what that means? If he's talking about new birth and new life, then what he's saying is that you are going to be permanent. You are going to be permanent. There is nothing that can erase you, nothing that can take you out. Christ died for you. He is holding you now, and you are permanently with him in heaven. It is as sure as done right now. You are permanent as a believer. It says that the inheritance is undefiled. That wording there is the picture of being unsullied, or it means being sinless. You know what that means? That means if you are a believer in Christ, you are going to be undefiled or sinless throughout all eternity. No matter how messed up you may feel, no matter how marred you may feel, no matter how much you may think you have derailed your life, you don't know the decisions I've made, Randy, you don't know what I'm doing even right now, decisions that I've made that I'm going to do when I leave here and tomorrow, I've already decided the route that I'm going. If you're a believer, you are, your inheritance is un- imperishable and it is undefiled. You are going to be permanent and you are going to be sinless and undefiled throughout all eternity. And it says that inheritance is also unfading. You know what the picture there is? It's a picture there of like everything that we see on earth that is beautiful fades. You know, some of you ladies are beautiful. Uh, beauty fades, right? It is, has an expiration date. Uh, every, all the beautiful, even scenes that you've seen in nature all have an expiration date to it. It is all fading. But the wording here is saying that you have an inheritance that is beautiful without fading. You know what that means? That means your inheritance is that you are going to be permanent, you're going to be sinless, and you're going to be beautiful beyond description. You are going to be beautiful beyond description. C.S. Lewis described the, the glorious future state of Christians as being, if you and I, every single person that we see that is a child of God, is going to be so beautiful on the other side of, of the end of the world, that it's going to be so beautiful that if you were to see the person who's sitting beside you now in their glorified state, you'd be tempted to worship them instead of the creator. You are gonna be beautiful beyond description. Your inheritance is kept in heaven, but not only that, but it says that you are guarded by God's power. Isn't that cool? You are, you yourself, your salvation is guarded by God's power. Your inheritance in the future is guarded by God, but you in your present state, you are guarded by God's power through faith. You know what the good news is? That it's your faith that guards you until the final day, until you die, but that faith doesn't even come from yourself. It comes from God. He supplies it to you. 
Isn't that good? You are guarded by your faith, and that faith is sourced in God's power himself. That's the source, source of Christian hope. That's the assurance of Christian hope. Then he says at the end, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Times now are difficult and they are hard. Some of you are going through things right now that are unimaginably difficult to me. Some of you are still dealing with things, decisions that you have made or other people have made in the way they have treated you and that still haunts you in the present. And none of us knows what tomorrow will bring. But here's what he's saying, that that hope that we have, that living hope, is an assurance, provides us an assurance that one day he's going to reveal a salvation that will be so amazing and so wonderful as he rules and reigns in a new heaven and a new earth and all sin is done away with, death is destroyed and disease is known no more. That will be so glorious that it will, we won't even hardly remember the passing difficulties of this day. It's going to be revealed at the end. Now, what does this produce in us? Well, it produces in us what Peter starts off with. This whole thing that he's, this whole section we've been going through is actually a, a prayer of praise. He starts off by saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see that now? If you've been born again to a living hope, it is imperishable and undefiled and unfading and is going to be revealed at the last time that doesn't rest upon your work but upon his work for us, what could that do but make us praise God and stand in awe of all that he is and all that he has done, all he's doing now and all he will do in the future? Man, that's good. So I just want to ask you this question this morning. Where are you placing your hope? Are you placing it in something that has an expiration date? Or is your hope permanent and alive and active and imperishable? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.